Hello and welcome to How to Survive Your Twenties. I'm the host Holly Etheridge and creator of this podcast. Being in your twenties can bring about a lot of uncertainty, a period of our lives where we experience a lot of change and self-development, a huge transition from being a teenager to, well, an adult. This is a podcast about the struggles of being in your twenties, the ups and downs and everything in between. A podcast designed to celebrate change and our successes and understand that not everyone has it sussed out and that it is totally okay to struggle and not know where you're heading in life. My guest this week is Elliot Powell. Elliot makes people laugh for a living. Yep, he's a stand-up comic, possibly one of the hardest industries to break into and after hearing his stories on his first ever gigs, I think my mind has been made up. In this episode, we discuss life after university and how you shouldn't settle for a job that doesn't make you happy, or in Elliot's case, make you laugh out loud. Maybe we should all take a leaf out of his book and not take our 20s too seriously. You're a musician, MC and stand-up comedian. Um, don't say musician, because people okay. will laugh at that. Okay, so um, I'm going to say musician. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Why did you go to university? Genuinely, like, probably got into a place now where I look back and it was just because that seemed to be the only thing to do. I didn't mm-hmm. have, like, I was at sixth form. I didn't really have, uh, I didn't really have anything that I was like, I didn't really try at anything. Do you know what I mean? I was just kind of drifted. And that seemed yeah. to be, like, the next thing to do. And my parents, like, were definitely massive advocates of, like, go to uni um really just because they, like, they wanted me to go and uh, yeah we're like forcing you to to be academic I, yeah well I didn't even have like an option it was just like Elliot's going to uni that's what it is my dad was like like I said from like a real kind of working class background and he was literally just like we're not letting it slip now you keep like you keep persevering forwards um you go to uni and I, I just kind of drifted along with it. So I, uh, like, I remember doing sixth form and stuff, and uh, I <clears throat> looked at a couple of unis, and then I looked at. So I went to Leeds Met um, or Leeds Beckett's, as it's known now. Um, I tried but, to get into Leeds, but they didn't have me. Oh, <laughs> they didn't want me. <laughs> they didn't want you. It's a uh, honestly like incredible city. Like it's so cool. But I, um, yeah, I did. I just. <laughs> I like applied to do history. I wanted to do PE because I'm like well into sport and well into footy and all of that. And my parents were just like, no, you need to do something academic. And I was like, right, okay. So that's that one gone. So then I just, I generally, I was, I was well into history. So I like, I, I chose history, but I wasn't going to get like really good grades to be honest in sixth form. So I just basically found out, I knew Leeds Met was really good at football. <laughs> so I like, <laughs> like, Clever, I, I like it. I texted my mate and I was like, the football team is really good there. He's like, yeah, it's, it's one of the best in the country. And it was, he was like, I looked at the grades for like a history degree. And honestly, they were like DDD. So I needed to be able to spell my own name to get into the course. You know what I mean? So I like kind of, <laughs> I, I put my feet up for the rest of sixth form. And I like just, yeah, just basically like bombed my A-levels and got, I think I got CDD the That's whole mad time. That- your parents like pushed you to do something that you didn't want to do well I think it was like the idea that they I didn't know what I wanted to do so it was better to be seen better to be seen to be just going along with stuff that gave you more opportunities to then choose what you want to do do you know what I mean so there's like like a good and a bad in it like it was like ah it didn't give me but I was too immature at 18 to I wouldn't have at least by pushing me through to go to university, at least I was like building a safety net for myself. Like, what did you study at uni? I did English language, communication and Spanish. I wish I gave it more thought, to be honest, because looking back now, I would have done something more niche. Because I yeah. don't think with my degree, it really like puts you on a path to do anything because it's so broad. And I, I don't want to be a teacher um, I don't want to interpret or be a translator. And that's kind of what my degree, I guess, would Lost. kind of, yeah. yeah. 
but I didn't I didn't really give it much thought it was kind of like I'm gonna go to university and I'll just study this because it's what I enjoy it's what I'm good at you know oh massively yeah yeah but um you told me you failed a year yeah I'm I'm not like quite grateful actually like I feel as though that's like who who at 18 knows what they want to do like really there's a really good um there's a really good Mark Manson uh have you have you read any Mark Manson I haven't he he's got like some really good like little articles that he posts up and stuff but it's kind of like you you know you get that one rare kid who's like 12 who knows what he wants to do do you know what I mean <laughs> I always like, talk in, about this you get that one child in a year of like 230 <laughs> people that's Dave he's going to be a vet and then the rest but of us I kind feel of like there's loads of people like that I feel like I was um I grew up around most people that knew. It's like they came out of the womb. They popped out of the womb and they were like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then they were a doctor. Like, I feel like I'm like the only lost child running around. Like, I don't know what I want to do. Well, I think there's, there's like a couple of ways. I generally think there's a couple of ways that you can look at that. And it's like, there's loads of freedom in not knowing what you want to do. Like you can do anything. Do they really want to do that? Or are they... I'm not taking it away from anyone. Do you know what I mean? If they if they believe that they generally wanted to do that and they were born to do that, that like hats off to them. But a lot of I, I probably guessing a little bit, but I think a lot of people are like born with an expectation of what it is, and they never challenge the expectate the expectation that's like put upon them about what they want to do, or what they want to be. So they're just yeah, like I'm born, I'm born to be a doctor. Yeah, my parents even from a young age, like I was playing with. I was playing nurses and doctors at two. I knew what I was doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you hear that um, all the time. Like, yeah, I was acting at three. I've always wanted to be an actor. <laughs> like, when no, are we no all child. doing that? <laughs> <laughs> no child at three has been like, <laughs> I, you know what? I want to be an actor. I, but people I really say that though, don't that. they? Like, yeah, my mum used to record me singing. So I, I've always destined to be a singer. But it's like, we've all done that though. Like, I, I used to dress up as like Ricky from EastEnders when I was like, God knows how old. Why <laughs> me and my sister, I don't know. We did a little sketch, me and my sister. And one of us was Ricky, one of us was Bianca. And I think there was a Pat Butcher in there. And we just dressed up as them and we used to do sketches of EastEnders. This is like, <laughs> I must have been what, seven? <laughs> but it doesn't mean yeah. I was destined to like go into EastEnders. I just enjoyed doing it. <laughs> Sound I mean, like Christmas right is interesting in the house. No, no, no. That <laughs> sounds sounds well normal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That is true. I think actually, yeah. um, not many people do know what they want to do, and if they do, they just kind of go with it. And like you said, they don't challenge or think about doing anything else. You come out of it right. So all the way through your life, up until about twenty-two, when you graduate uni. Mm-hmm. you're basically you've got like a structure you know what's coming next right yeah so from year from sixth form you know you're going to uni you know after year one at uni you know you're going into year two there's always something definitive and then i think and it, it definitely happened to me like i got out of uni and i was like jesus what's next like yeah me too what's he what's here what do what i've i've half-assed my university degree I've like, I've smashed every one pound vodball night at Tiger Tiger and I've got nothing <laughs> to show for it apart from a load of bad choices. <laughs> no, and um, unexperienced. You can't, no regrets. <laughs> you would have learned yeah, a lot ex- without even realising. Yeah, like huge amount. I think I, so I like, I retook a year um, and I like, I like coasted and got like a 2-2. I basically work like three days before any deadline and the rest of it i was either just playing football or just going out but then yeah you get at the end of at the end of like six, uh, the end of uni you like come out and you're like jesus like what's next like i don't actually have that feeling of lostness is something you're like almost institutionalized up until the age of you're almost institutionalized up until the age of like 22 do you know what i mean yeah, that's like you know it's a weird everything. thought isn't it I've never thought about it like that, but you're so right. Like, it's actually quite weird if you weren't to be a bit kind of lost. Well, I remember, I remember finishing and like, I had no clue. I was, I'd, I'd finished, I was working in 
like when I was at uni and stuff like that, I was like in the sports, I was in the football team and I was like one of the, like the social captains in the football team. So I had like, so you had like your little bubble, didn't you? You had your like, yeah. you knew you had like a little economy going on. Like you knew the other people, you were like, 30, do you know what I mean? You had like this whole world that you like created for yourself. And then within like two months, I was working at Pizza Express, like sharpening pencils. Like the manager would be like looking for things for me to do and he'd be like, there's Elliot, like going sharp and then pencils. And I was like, two months ago, like I was at uni doing this and I knew the world and I knew everything. Um, and now I'm doing this and you just, you know, like feel like what the hell is going on here? Yeah, um, it's a shock to the system. Yeah, definitely. And then I, I remember like, then doing that for like two months and then i was then going back online to look for like other courses and i was like i need to go back to uni i need to go yeah. back and study something and then i was obviously it was clearly registering to me that i was just trying to go and do something that i knew that i knew what it was about yeah i wasn't i was actually retreating then i was actually like retreating into safety of like going through a process as opposed yeah. to actually fully wanting to go and do it you know what I mean? yeah I was gonna say you're like looking for like that safety net aren't you because it's what you know yeah yeah massively so then after uni what so after that you were looking for courses what was your next job not even oh. not pizza express but what was your first real corporate kind of job oh uh, well I didn't get like a corporate job like first of all so I um I was all over the shop. I didn't have a job. Like I was, I like quit like Pizza Express. I was like, just like, didn't know what was coming next. I was getting, I was going to like recruitment interviews down in London to sell different bits. And in those, like, have you done those? Um, yeah, I have actually. I've done a few. <laughs> I think we all have. Honestly, the worst thing I've ever been involved in. Like, like the group interviews I, and things like that. Oh, they were horrid. I genuinely got a story about this. So I went to um, I went to one in London and I like I'd like I'd like gone down and I, I was there and we were all in like we were all in the um, all in the foyer like meeting everyone and everyone's like putting the best foot forward aren't they they're like hello I'm John I went to um, Oxford Brooks and I did English and all of, and then you go around the circle and I was literally like all right I'm Elliot uh, went to Leeds met didn't really want to go uh, messed around for a couple of years and now I'm here uh you know like I didn't I didn't really want to be there I didn't know what I was doing and we were all like everyone was doing all this one-upmanship on each other and there was this one chap and he he like shook my hand and he was like really um he was like really nervous and he was like hi I'm I'm Eli and I was like oh hello mate okay and I thought he had a three-piece suit on um so I was just like, oh, wow, like, okay, like, sharp dude, whatever. And then we got into, like, this, uh, we got into, like, the big circle, and you basically had to stand up, say your name, and then say your greatest achievement. Um, now, obviously, the whole idea was, from the actual, like, recruiter's point of view, was to see how confident you were and how much you were, like, able to speak to a large group of people. That's all they were looking for. I thought it was like a competition about who'd done the greatest thing. <laughs> so, and I think everyone else was doing it. I don't know if you had the same experience, but people were standing up and they'd be like, the girl would be like, I am Annabelle and I raised 1.2 million pounds for a girl in China who has no arms and no legs. And everyone was like, oh my God, amazing, amazing. <laughs> and then the next person would stand up and they'd be like, hi, I'm Benjamin and I raised 1.4 million pounds for um, disabled cats in Serbia. And everyone was like, oh my God, you're better than Annabelle. <laughs> And it was coming round. It was coming round to me, and I was like, "What the fuck have I done? Like, I've I've failed here. <laughs> like, I I made it home on my own once after being like thrown out of a club. That's probably like one of my greatest achievements. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. it was coming round. And then the the guy before me, Eli, stood up, and he was like, "Oh, hello, I'm Eli, and my greatest achievement is uh, six weeks ago." I I uh, I fell off my bike and I I broke my spine and the doctors um, basically said I wouldn't walk again and this bodysuit that I've got on is actually holding my spine together and I'm still no. here wanting a job and everyone went and even the recruitment consultants went 
mate, that is incredible. So people like standing <laughs> up, like whooping and cheering for him. Like that is so incredible. Was, You've got the job. <laughs> yeah, I was like looking at him like, oh wow, that's amazing. And then the recruitment consultant was like, right, so Elliot. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And in front of like, I don't know, like 50 people that were there, I like stood up and I was like, hi, I'm Elliot. Um, there's some people in this room that have done some incredible things, but I've just tried to remain a good, honest, humble person. So on my first day of uni, there was a homeless dude outside of the university and I said hi to him. And then on the last day that I graduated, I bought him a sandwich. Thank you. And like... <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that still, that still deserves some brownie points. Silence. Utter silence. <laughs> and like the guy at the front went, uh... Uh, okay uh fred and you know like i just sat there and was like this is fucking horrible um <laughs> so that's graduate recruitment schemes uh so i was doing all the, the, I, I told you by the way i'll go off on like massive like things no um, i like that story doing loads of them and i was like i don't really want to go into it sales or anything like that like i was just didn't have a clue and then i just needed a job so i ended up working at like there was like a utilities company that um, there was a utilities company that was like near me at home and it was it was up there with the worst jobs I've ever had like horrible but why in what way it's it's say I would I would say it almost like saved me you know (laughs) um so like I'd go, it was just, it couldn't keep up with the supply. So I'd go in every morning. I'd look at the, I was in the call center and like, I'd look at the call volumes and there was 150 people waiting in a two hour queue at like eight o'clock in the morning. They just basically couldn't keep up with the amount of people that were like switching over. And like every day it was like groundhog day. You just go in and people like crying. They were like in loads of debt. They, it was, it was horrible. And they were obviously irate because they would, they'd been waiting on the phone for like two hours yeah and i did this for i think i did it for like nine months and i i remember and this is this is a cheat this is so cheesy by the way so again don't gag but like i used to sit at this i used to sit at this window in this call center and in the middle of like the building there was like a um there was like a little pond a little like garden that they created for people to like go and sit in and escape like the brutal reality of the job but I like used to sit at the window and in between calls I used to stare out at the wind like stare out at the garden and there were loads of ducks in the pond and they were like up in the tree or not ducks don't go in trees but they were all just like running around and I was like oh they're all birds do you know what I mean and I was like I was like why are all the birds like they could fly anywhere they could do anything why are they choosing to stay like in this pond that's small and in the middle of this, like these four wall buildings? Like I just couldn't get it. And I said it to one girl who was like sat next to me and I was like, Oh, why, why, why do you reckon they just stay there? They could fly anywhere. They can do anything. Why do they just stay there? And she was like, well, they got everything they want, don't they? They've got like food, they've got like water, They've got their home, like they don't need anything else, do they? And I like genuinely looked around at everyone in that call center and then looked at the birds and I was like, I, I've got to get out of here. Um, <laughs> I was like, I can go anywhere. I like, I, it's, it's my own perspective that's keeping me here. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh, and that's really on- nice though. Like the way, we, the way that that, seeing those birds or ducks and whatever they were, like yeah. that made you realize actually I'm not like them. Like I do have the freedom to like get up and walk out and do something that I want. Yeah. Well, I was like, I was looking at it and I was like, that's perspective. Like they just don't know that they could fly over that wall. And they've, if they fly past that wall, like they'll, they could go anywhere. They can do anything, but they're just restricting themselves to being in there. And that was like the, almost like some of the people that were working there. I felt, And I remember that girl, she was like brilliant. She was really like, she'd like post uni. She's really artsy. She's really clever, but she was like so intent on keeping that job and so scared. Um, I think I did something really cheesy on my last day when I was leaving. And I was like, oh, uh, I wrote a note to her just saying, don't ever be a duck. (laughs) And then (laughs) I seen her like six years later and she was like, I've still got that note at home. And she's like done 
different things. She's like gone on and done different things. I don't know if they've worked. Oh my but... God. You inspired her with your like duck metaphor. Well, I don't want to take all the credit, but if she, <laughs> if she does something successful, I will be knocking on the door. Um, wow. That was really, I love that story. But that's, that's so cool. Don't be a duck. <laughs> don't be a duck, man. Um, We're bad. But I, uh, so yeah, I sat, I was sat there and I, I looked at it and I was just like, I need to go traveling. Like, I just want to go, I just want to go traveling. And uh, one day I just woke up on one of the, um, one Saturday and I, I just went, fuck it. I'm going to, are we allowed to swear on this? Well, yeah, you can. Well, I'll, I'll just, just put done this, it. I'll just put this one as a, an explicit episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's do that yeah i just woke up this one saturday and i was like fuck it i'm going like i've just broken up with that girl i'm working in a job that i hate and i'm just do you know what i mean i'm not doing anything and i was like i've got i've got to go and see what's out there and i remember uh so like i went off book traveling i was going like i went to this place where um like nobody else was going like I, i went somewhere really obscure like thailand cambodia vietnam I did that sort of Southeast Asia trail that no one else was doing at the time. And uh, that sarcasm. But now everybody. (laughs) No, every single person was doing it. That was like, I just, I was like, I'm going to be so out there and so different. Yeah. So I like book traveling and I was like, oh fuck. Like I booked it real quick. Like I was going within like a month and a half booking it or whatever. And I remember my dad has never, ever not, they were away and they came back and I just left my passport and my like flight tickets on a table in the house, like knowing they'd come back in and they'd see it. And oh wow. So I, you just went off on yeah, your own accord they, and they didn't want, Yeah. They didn't want me to go. They were like, what are you doing this? My dad had never, ever missed watching a football, one of my football matches. Um, and I had a game that evening and uh, he texted me. I, I got a text just before the game, and his text was, "Fucking Cambodia, Vietnam. Where the fuck do you think you're going? What do you think you're doing? Like all of this." And he never came to watch the game. Um, oh no! And yeah, he was just he was so angry that I'd done that. And I, uh, it's because he had no he he'd not done it, so he just didn't know. It was the fear of of not knowing, basically, for him. Yeah. He had, you know. So, um, and then after like a month or so of everyone being like, you're going to have the best time in the world. I think he like at the door, like when we went to the pub or whatever. And he was like, look, I, I re- I know I reacted like that in the first instance, but like, I really do like wish you like you have a really good trip and I can see why you're doing it. Um, and that was the first oh. time I'd like ever challenged my like parents views of how the world would be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, actually, maybe his fear of all of that was just based on he didn't want to be scared for me. Yeah. Um, and then I, I went away and I genuinely, I had the best time ever. Like I had, it wasn't like, like a great experience. Like every day I didn't wake up like, oh God, I'm so lucky. This is amazing. Like there were some like horrible things that happened, but it was like, you know, like I felt like I lived a little bit. Yeah like I just think, a really good yeah really good experience I think it's almost crucial isn't it to have an experience where you go off and travel like in your 20s I think it's such a good thing to do like it develops you as a person well that's I say like some of my closest mates that I've still got now are people that I met traveling because it wasn't none of it was about like the people that I met all I had was my passport uh, my backpack and me and my stories i didn't have and who i was i didn't have like were you good at football were you do you know what i mean were you like popular were you were you like this were you that like that i had nothing apart from being a good person to other people and maybe a passport that could get me to the next place so it kind of like stripped me back like to almost like a pure form of yourself if you know what i mean that sounds so so wanky and traveling no i no it doesn't it doesn't but, that's really nice because nowadays we don't you know we're never we never live like that we're just mm. so fast-paced and we're all about materials and 
like all digital and social media and so that's like such a nice thing to experience yeah well it, it it's like I, I kind of feel like 23 you're at your purest form of your upbringing so your so everything that you've learned uh, you, everything that you've been told growing up that's the way that you see the world at 23 do you know what i mean because yeah. you don't have that many personal experiences to like combat them or like to challenge them you've just kind of gone through the process i think that's why so, your 20s are, are quite tough because as you say like by kind of 23 you've just lived in this bubble of like education and and your parents kind of putting you down the right road and then you leave that and you're like now what now i'm on my own and i've got to make these decisions and i actually don't know myself that well or what i want so i think yeah. that's why your 20s is such a it's a crazy period isn't it well it's all about i think it's like i i struggle with it like i and it's something that i to this day like have to try and figure out i wasn't capable of i find it really hard to make decisions I was never given like my, my parents kind of for, for like good reasons, all of it for good reasons, but I kind of feel as though I was never given the power to make decisions for myself. So I never had to learn either the, the good or the bad consequences of decisions. So I kind of left everything up in the air and would just drift along, you know? Yeah. Um, so now I've had to kind of teach myself that, you know, you make a decision and you live with the good and bad of those decisions. Yeah. And it's not the end of the world. Like you learn something in both scenarios. You know, there's no right or wrong. I, I find the 20s is the hardest thing is because all the way through school, right? You put your hand in a fire. That's the wrong thing to do. You're either told that you're right or you're wrong. And it's definitive. Um, and life isn't like that. Life is like a massive um series of like good and bad decisions where you make bad decisions and you learn from it and you you know like get better yeah, from it definitely you no, know? i completely agree with comedy yeah. and stuff like that or with the way that you view people nowadays people like people give someone a label and then that's determined whether that's like right or wrong and it's like mm -hmm. there is no right or wrong like it's just it's like a good or a bad decision and who then who's telling you what is good or bad yeah no i agree you mentioned comedy which brings me to my next yeah, point have you always been yeah, funny you're kind of funny aren't you i mean you haven't laughed very much in this so i'm going <laughs> no, I feel like, sort of but we had a pre like chat before we started recording <laughs> so i, feel like I mean yeah <laughs> and i think it's fair to say you were absolutely wetting yourself the whole way through weren't you kind of <laughs> yeah yeah. Stand innovation, <laughs> clapped. I know, honestly, yeah, it was I've got nothing before this left. podcast. I exactly. Um <laughs> before before we started recording, honestly, I was the funniest man you've ever met. But now I've kind of gone into that sort of deep <laughs> wanky traveller do's. No, um, you haven't. <laughs> but yeah, now nah, like yeah, comedy. Yeah. What was I doing? Like why? Why would you do it? Just don't. Well, I think it's a no. <laughs> Is that your advice to anyone uh, thinking about it? Just don't. <laughs> yeah, don't because then you kind of feel as though sometimes your life means something, and then you get like hooked on it, and it gives you a reason to get up. You know, and think, it gives you. Like, I think that's the entertainment industry as a whole, though, isn't it? Once you've like yeah. dipped your foot in, you're like, oh, this is okay, but it comes with a lot of a lot of challenges. It's a very difficult thing, and I can imagine comedy is the same as acting, modelling, and all the rest of it. Well, it's just um, so like when I came back from that travelling, when I came back from travelling, I uh, like I, I got into like a like a corporate sales job. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, I was generally doing like door to door sales. You know, like on The Apprentice when they knock on, <laughs> and and yeah. no one wants them in their shop. Like on The Apprentice, they glamorise it. But like, yeah, I was like doing, yeah, it's not like that. I was walking into shops and people were like, like basically telling me Shutting to the door up. in your face. Yeah. So I was doing that job and I, um, I was just going around to like 15 stores a day, just getting like rejected and told to like piss off and no one wanted me there and like stuff like that. And I was like, I don't even care about money that much. Like 
why am I doing all of this? Yeah, you don't strike me as like a money-driven person. I don't get that vibe from you. No, I like I I the best the best times I had doing that was when I went into stores and like met someone and had a really good time and like made them laugh or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then like if I won it won if I like got a sale and made money, but I've been a bit of a manipulative dickhead. Like I I walked out that store like richer, but hating myself on the inside. And I, so like, and that was the aim of the game, right? And I persevered with that job for like three years and like got promoted like a couple of times. But every time I got promoted, I felt further away from like what I wanted to do or who I was. Really? Like just disconnected? Yeah, I was getting more, I was becoming, I was getting more, I was like getting a car, I had like a company car. I was like being like, uh, wow, probably people who listen to this and be like, you weren't held in high regard in our business, Elliot. Um, but I was like, <laughs> you know, like get, getting, getting praise or whatever it was. And I was like, yeah, yeah fucking, I'm, I'm good at this. But all I was doing was just basically kind of manipulating people in front. I'm not saying this is all salespeople, but this is the person that I was becoming. Yeah. Um, I didn't really care about the person that was in front of me. I didn't really care, but I just wanted to get out of him what I wanted for my business. Yeah. whatever and i was just like this isn't me this this isn't the kid with the backpack and the passport like this is what i'm being told that i should be would you say you were happier as the kid with the backpack oh yeah i had yeah. nothing to what like there was nothing to worry about like yeah. i didn't the more things i got the more things owned me and i was never actually owning them i was just fucking paying like a 70 pound contract on a phone that i might own in like three years do you know what i mean yeah well that just goes to show that money doesn't bring happiness and materials and possessions do not bring happiness no it's absolutely wank like i was living down in london i spent like 800 quid for a room and then i was just like i was going to work at something that i absolutely hated doing and I was just like, I'm not going to own, I'm not going to get the whole point of capitalism, right? Is you can own the thing, you can own things. And I was yeah. like, I, can't, I haven't got enough money to be able to buy anything. Like everything I've got is on credit. And if I lose my job, I'm fucked. Um, so I just couldn't deal with that way of living. Yeah. And I think, um, do you know what? I think so many people live like that, but deep down, they're not happy living like that. No, but that, I think that's kind of the way that we've been taught will get yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I don't, I'm not angry at that. I think that's almost, you know, not angry like, oh, they've slaving us to like do these things or whatever. I'm not angry at that. It's like, it just seems for people to be the best sort of sadness way to live your life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, life is really, really sad. Um, if you look at it, like objectively it's really sad like you're probably going to get ill and you're probably um, this is going to be really deep all right but <laughs> okay go for it but it's true I'm like we were talking about afterlife before all of this but yeah like life is inherently sad the people around you are all going to get ill and die at some point you are as well um and you can't escape that but there's you can either look at that as a really sad thing or you can look at it as a really positive thing and just be like well, the way that I always look at it, you know, like when people are given like, um, they're given an X amount of time to live. Mm-hmm. And then in that six month period, they start doing all the things that they wanted that they to have done. done. Or, yeah. yeah. And it was like, why do I, and I would always look at, there was a, I remember there was a kid around here that I used to know. And unfortunately he passed away, but he did like a bucket list and a challenge and all that stuff. And I was like, why do people wait to be told when there's a definitive end for them to start doing the stuff that they always wish they should do? Like we know that that's going to happen. Yeah, completely. And yet we don't really, we wait until we get the bad news, don't we? To then live, to actually live our lives. Yeah. And that, I find that like, that's guaranteed to happen. So bloody well, go out and bloody well. How posh does that (laughs) sound <laughs> I'm not You're posh whatsoever. <laughs> Bloody <laughs> hell! But like, yeah, just it, like Bloody that's go gonna out happen. There and live your life. So blo- that's the message. Yeah, <laughs> just go and do those things because, like, it's gonna happen. So make peace with it and just go and have fun. Yeah, I yeah. completely agree. You actually, um, <laughs> that's made me laugh. Oh, but, uh, you're a com- you're a comedian, Al. So what can I say? <laughs> 
What? Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's probably the third best joke I've said. Are you three years old with a microphone being like one, two, no, one, two? No, no. I don't, I don't think I was. I think I was like, I like never really did anything out of my, out of my bubble. I was probably like really ego driven, like growing up. Like I thought I was always really good at football, always had to be like trying to be really cool. Like try and do the things that people thought were really cool, if you know what I mean. But like, what was that? That wasn't even, they were just things that other pe- people like, that wasn't cool. Like being, being cool. I don't know. No, I'm not. Cut that bit out, by the way, because that's the gayest <laughs> bit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if that makes it onto the podcast, man, there's going to be a lawsuit coming your way for that five pounds. <laughs> oh, no, but no, this is a really funny bit. So I feel like uh, it makes it. <laughs> I, mean, you can, I mean, you can put that in, you know, just at, at this point. At this I'm point, sending you like you a, a mini contract after, after this. So, I, uh, so the comedy bit, like I was doing that job and I was like, uh, I was, uh, I'd, and I'd, I remember them moving out of London. I was like commuting down to London and I was just, I had, I was just crying on the commute down. Like I was sat, I always remember I'd get the 718 from Leamington to London and uh, (laughs) all the chaps would be sat there in their suits and stuff like that. And I'd get on and we worked for a very like, I'm using air quotation, non-corporate, but it was corporate sort of business. So we'd like used to wear whatever and I'd just sit on it and I'd like, There'd be like a solemn tear running down my face as I like stared out the window. (laughs) And uh, I was just like, I don't fit in here. Do you know what I mean? Like, this isn't what I want to do. Nah, so I just, I made, I just just like, look, if if I'm going to fail, I'm going to, if you know, like all the shops and stuff like that or going to these meetings, I was like, I'm failing at something that I don't even care about. Like, but persevering is making me progress in something that I still don't care about. So why don't I just try and put those, why don't I just put that effort into something that I find has some sort of meaning for me at least. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I did. definitely. And then I signed up. I didn't even know how comedy worked. I didn't even know what an open mic was. I had no clue who to contact. I just turned up. One time I looked on the internet, I Googled open mic. I turned up at a pub. There was no one there. Um, I'd built it up like I was doing my first gig. and it was it was awful uh and then Why i just was it like awful? Yeah. no it was in like i turned up at this pub and i didn't realize there was a difference between a comedy open mic night and a music open mic night right and <laughs> they uh it was meant to be a music open mic night but no one had turned up so i turned up in this pub on the outskirts of birmingham with my mate being like you know like johnny big bollocks i was like mate i'm doing my first stand <laughs> like i turned up with my collar up do you know what I mean? Like, mate, I'm going to fucking, I've got a comedy gig tonight. I'm going to smoke it. <laughs> and uh, we got in there. There was no one in there. Like the music night had been called off. And then I look back at the Google post and it was from about five years ago. Um, oh, so no. yeah, we ordered a uh, half a lemonade because we were driving and then left. Um, and I was like, right, I'm on the first, I've taken the first step like, in my head. I was trying to justify, justify <laughs> it. Um, and then I think I did like a couple of gigs and it was, I want to say they went well, but it's fucking brutal when you first start. But it, I can't it gave imagine. Me, yeah. Oh, honestly, horrid. Horrid. But um, like, how much do you prepare as a comedian? Like, obviously you've got to have the jokes in your head, but isn't it better to like be in the moment and kind of let it flow depending on how your audience receives well, you? I don't know. What would you... I mean, there's tri- the, the tricks of the trade, but you've got to have your material, right? So your material's your, either your jokes or your stories and stuff like that. And when you first start, and most people do, you like watch someone on the TV, don't you? And you're like, I could do that. I'm funny down the pub. Like, I could, <laughs> I could do that. I'm just going to go to an open mic night and everyone in there, I'm going to tell my stories about my friends, which I was there and found funny. But you know, like the classic case, you had to be there. Oh <laughs> no, yeah. That's what it's like when you first start out. You know My I mean? sister says that to me all the time. Like I'll be like, lol, and I'll text her something and she'll be like, is it one of those moments where you had to be there, Holes? And I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, to you, it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but that's that's where it that's where like the the art form comes from, is that Right, so that's happened, right? And that's hilariously funny to you and you've creased up. Um, and then you 
see it and you go and tell the stories, right? But then no one else is laughing because you haven't brought them into the story. The art form is to be able to find a way to bring that collective group of people in that room into your story. How do you make everyone in that room who sat watching you, who have their own minds, that they've got their own worries and everything that's yeah. there, how do you get them in that moment to stop thinking about all of that and come yeah. into your store and come into your world? And um, get them to relate to you and yeah like how do you how do you do that and that's the that's that's something that takes like a lot of work you know? I can imagine what type of comedian are you are you one that picks on people because I I fear those comedians you know you're sitting there and you're like nervous because you don't know if they're just going to come out and like see you in the front line and be like I don't know ripping you to pieces well on the back of this if I there'll probably be people like listening and they'll be like what type of comedian is he and someone will be like shit one shit one he's a shit comedian <laughs> no. no that's no that's not me you know i you know i believe in myself but there will you kind of open yourself up to that interpretation but um i like right i want everyone to have a good time you know, like i i like from that moment i really like people in like small intimate rooms like having do. a good time <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a real swingers party. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds really sexually perverted. But no, I like people in comedy rooms that are like intimate and small, laughing loads. All right, that's a, that's a better answer. Yeah, that's better. But, um, but I like yeah, I like stuff like you know like just for that moment, you're all present in the moment. You're out. You're all having a good time, and it doesn't matter. Like, I don't mind. I like, I like people shouting out at me. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. I like, I like kind of heckling or they're just people getting involved with you and you've got to be yeah. like some people, some people don't like that. And that's fair enough. You know, their art form is different, but I like, I kind of like it if you can kind of get into a room and you can make, you know, 25, 30 people your mate for that 10, 15 minutes that you're up there. Yeah. You know, no, it and must be such a good, a good feeling. Laugh. Especially if they're like laughing at you and you know that you've had that impact because that's a good feeling. Oh, it's wicked. Like it's just, there's, you know, between all, between 70% of the gigs, which are just, and I'm pretty sure every comic will like say the same, like there's the, the good gigs make all of the, the one good gig makes the six ones before it like worth it. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And there's been gigs where literally, depending on what it is, uh, you can, you can figure it out in the first five, 10 minutes, how it's going to go. And you're like, you either, you either sit there and you go, right, this is going to be work. Like they're not, the crowd aren't really warm. They're distracted. There's different bits, you know, instantly whether it's going to be a good or a bad one. Um, That's so demotivating. (laughs) No, well, it's not. You that's where you got to build up the resilience. I mean, because they were there. Because when you first started out, I definitely remember doing some gigs, and it was like it was painful. And I I didn't have that sort of professional. And I think people don't you don't have that professionalism, and you're looking at you like impending death, and you're like, and I definitely was at one, and I went, nah, fuck this, and then just left. Really? Because I yeah, because I was looking at it, and I was going to get nothing apart from sad at the end of it do you know what i mean like yeah all it was then, was just a room full of other stand-ups that would just judge you and not laugh oh that's tough but i guess it's but, a learning curve isn't it like you do need to go through the rough the rough times to get to the good ones and appreciate yeah. them like it makes you appreciate the good ones if you've experienced some real tough crowds i want to tell the story of my second gig do which, it Honestly, I mean, I've, I've probably built it up now and you're probably not going to laugh again. But um, <laughs> so I, I'd, I'd like done one gig in Birmingham, like at uh, this open mic. And I was I was bang average to say, to say the least. All right. Um, but I'd kind of done it. And I was like, right. OK, so I was talking to my talking to my dad's mate at, uh, at a party. And he was like, oh, Elliot, we host the charity ball down in Cardiff and we'd love, and I'd said I'd wanted to do a bit of stand-up. So he was like, oh, come down and you can, uh, you can do 10 minutes at this charity ball um, in front of people. And I was like, I knew that I wasn't a comedian. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd literally done one the gig. I was like, no, 
like don't know i'm not i'm not skilled enough I, I don't really know what i'm doing i've done one open mic to three people and a dog don't make me don't make <laughs> me do this um and he persevered and he persevered and in the end i was just like do you know what fuck it like i'll i'll go and do it uh so i turned up at this uh, i turned up at this charity ball 500 people there <laughs> Oh my god! I'm like walked in through the door, and I'm like, "This is my second gig. I don't even know what I'm doing." Like, wow. at this point, I, I was still scared of what my own voice sounded like in a microphone. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like when I spoke into a microphone, I'd go, "Oh!" Like I didn't. I had no clue what I was doing. Um. So anyway, we're in this board, and you know David Emmanuel that had been on like he'd fucking made wedding dresses for the royals. Uh. <laughs> all of these people in there and they're basically like all these high profile people that were from his accounting business in Cardiff or whatever it was. And, um, like before, and I, I was just necking pints before knowing it was going to go tragically before I came on, he was telling about the charity that the, uh, the accountancy firm like sponsored. And he was like, look, like it sponsors this, um, cancer research charity which uh, they looked after my auntie when she was, and he was like welling up and he was like, no. oh, and before, uh, yeah. And then he was like, but anyway, and the whole room was dead. And then he went, but anyway, we've got a young comedian on who's coming down oh, to do 10 God, minutes of no. material. Um, and we're, we're really, we're really lucky to have him. It's one of his first gigs. And um, so if you could all be really polite and nice to him when he gets, and I was literally there no, like, mate, you've just, you see that bus well outside leave. the front. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was almost another time when I hit the table twice and right. That's it. I'm off. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh mate, you've absolutely killed me here oh, more no. than what, what was about to happen. So I like got up and I'm like in front of these 500 people and basically they all fucking turned their back to me <laughs> knowing that it was going to be horrid and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I like stood up and I was like, all right, everyone, um, has anyone ever agreed to do something that they wish that they shouldn't have and they're regretting it? And I'm like, no one was giving me anything. I was like, there's a lot of guys who are married in here with wedding rings on that know that feeling. <laughs> and like... I think someone went <laughs> like out, like 400, 499 people <laughs> like carried on eating the food or whatever. Um, and that one person that did make a sound, it was probably wind anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred. I think they were just. I think I think that was just the bar outside, like dropping glasses or whatever. Um, and like genuine. So Nigel Owens was there. So no, Nigel Owens, the rugby referee. Well, I don't, but I'll just agree. Right. So he was like the, it was like in the rugby world cup, like a couple of years ago, Nigel Owens okay. had just come out as being, as being gay. Right. Um, and oh, no. obviously I, 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 I knew, <laughs> I knew he was going to be there. And I'd generally written this joke and I just thought it was going to fucking have the, have the room down in stitches. Yeah. So bear in mind all the Welsh rugby team, like loads of Welsh rugby players are there. My family are there, everything. So, Nigel Owens is there and in the Rugby World Cup he'd made loads of references to like mocking rugby players as if they were footballers sorry say that again so mocking like, did you say it mo cut yeah like it. mocking yeah so he'd like mock loads of rugby players yeah um, and be like and as if they were footballers and uh he clearly hated football so I like walked up to him and he'd just come out as gay and my joke was like Nigel uh it appears in this uh Rugby World Cup as though that you really hate football. Uh, why is it that you hate football too much? Is it because it's full of fannies? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the whole room went, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> what, no one laughed? I mean, I was playing with the idea that, like, footballers are, like, you know, it seemed to be a bit of a pansy sport compared yeah, to rugby. Yeah. I wasn't meaning what? it in any bad way. And no one, nothing. And I was stood in front of 500 people, just... That's a really, that's quite a good joke. Well, I mean, like, I, I still think it's got legs. <laughs> I think it's still got legs. I think that if I had my time again, I could bring the room back on board. Um, and then for the next of the seven minutes, I probably used um, about three million times. Uh, I gave some vague looks over to my parents for a hug. 
But my dad was like sat on a table and he was facing the other way, um, no. videoing me. <laughs> As if to like sort of share in the family group afterwards of being like, how awful was this? <laughs> that was like the worst thing that could happen. And it happened. Yeah. And it was fine. Yeah, cool. You know what and I mean? you learned from it. Yeah. And you developed from that. And to be yeah, honest, so- let's be honest, the guy that introduced you, he didn't really give you the best intro, did he? No, no. I mean, that was, that was awful. But I, whatever way, I wasn't going to get through and it wasn't going to be brilliant. But I want to probably lay about 1% of blame at his door. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, what was it? Like someone afterwards came up to me and he like, went to give me a high five. Um, and then he like, I went to give him a high five, but he, he gave me a hug and he just went, mate, that was really brave. And I, <laughs> you know, when I was like, I was going for funny, but I'll, in this circumstance, I'll take, I'll take brave. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that was stand up basically. It makes me nervous thinking about it. Like standing, public speaking in itself is difficult, isn't it? Let alone trying to make people laugh. Wow. Like I take my hat off to you. That's. That's intense. Uh, it's good fun. And then that, that was like, that's the worst that it could be. Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. From, and you've lived from that there now, on in, so it's fine. Yeah. Like if, and I was like, oh, that you can only get better. Right. And there's, there must be doing something. And then you just take yourself away and go and like, look at a course or whatever, or go and look and surround and like, take like knowledge off other people who were like further along the process than you. And, and Like, this is what you want to do now, isn't it? Like you're not, there's no looking back. You've kind of, got ahead and yeah well I've like I've like I've like committed to it and I was like you know like when people are always and I think you were saying about like with your freelance stuff and especially yeah. like doing acting and stuff like that like um what's the quote uh <clears throat> yeah go on give us take, a quote <laughs> the, the only the only the only way to take the island is to, is to burn the boat that you came on so if you want to take over an island like if you still have the boat moored, you can basically get back on your boat and leave. And mm-hmm. if you if you burn your boat, you have to take the island. That's the only way you can do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like jacked in like the corporate jobs, like the the job and stuff. And um, I so just, you don't give yeah, yourself the option. You don't give yourself something to yeah. fall back on. Yeah, I've got no out now. Like I've committed to it, and I can't. Yeah. I, I could like in theory you could go back, but it's like. I, I don't want to go back to that place. Um, and you I haven't spoke come to, this far just to get this far. No. I, I, hey, I knew, little quote for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you smashed that one, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'd figured out what I didn't want from my life in those years. Do you know what I mean? And now it's kind of like putting together like different bits that I do want my life to be about. But I, I spoke oh. to a mate and my, my mate worked at the company that I was working at at the same time. Um, and I spoke to him and I was like, look, like, what advice have you got? Like, what? And he was just like, mate, just do it. Like, don't, don't give yourself an out because then you have to make it work. And that's what we've done. And he was like, the first year, the first, like, two years will be difficult. But you'll be progressing in ways that you, didn't, you, you don't know that you are. And you've, you've got no other option but to make it work. So I kind of took that on board and handed him my resignation the next day and it's probably some of the best advice that i've that i've had um i'm gonna ask you your best advice and now i don't need to because that's amazing advice because i always get told things like always have a plan b or have things you can fall back on where actually i agree with you i don't think that's the i don't think that's a good idea because then you look for ways to get out and go to the plan b but i work part-time to like you know just keep myself covered um yeah in terms of like pay my rent and get my food because the the rest of it and you know like with all the like work that comes in it's so sporadic and you can't i'm not at a level yet where i can guarantee x amount via stand-up to come in per month yeah do you know what i mean um so i i need that to to kind of keep it on but i know now that if i don't do anything extra than that that job like i will not get anywhere um no one's going to ring me up and no one's going to give me anything and if i don't show up and i don't i'd like all the responsibility now is on me to keep pushing myself forwards because before when i had like a a more relatively well-paid job like i could go well it doesn't really matter if i don't do that 
gig tonight because I've got this meeting tomorrow, so I'll just prepare for that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas now it's literally like if you don't go to that, you're not going to get any further forward, um, and you're not gonna you're not gonna progress. Are you quite spiritual in the sense that you think things will happen as they're meant to and things like that, or are you more like, no, I'm in control and I make the decisions and it will happen because I've thrown myself in the deep end? Like, what's your uh, perspective? Like, it's really hard. It was really weird, like traveling. It like you'd bump into people. You know, you'd like meet people at certain times on the travel or, and like you'd learn something from them or you'd learn like different bits. And you were like, how is it that I'm on the opposite side of the world in like this weird country, at a bloody party on Copenhagen beach <laughs> with, <laughs> with all the dickheads that are on this beach from every country in the world. But I've met you and you've, told me about this for me to have that bit of knowledge and or that yeah. bit of insight and I was like but if I hadn't made the choice to do those things and taken the responsibility I wouldn't have put myself in that position to have met that thing at the, that certain time if you know what I mean yeah it's weird so it's I, a weird one isn't it but I, yeah it's like as long as you keep putting yourself in the position and your responsibility is to keep showing up and keep being there and deal with the shit and deal with the late nights and not give up. Like you'll find yourself in a position where someone will go, Oh mate, do you want to go and do this? And then you're like, how, how, like how, how's that happened? Like yeah. how's, but it can only. Like, is it coincidence only... or is it like, cause you're on the right path and it's like almost signs from the universe being like yeah this is what you're meant to be doing this is who you're meant to be talking to i don't think life is luck i think no. life is continually like taking responsibility and putting yourself in positions and then one of those positions happens and then that opens the next door and you just walk through doors sliding they're like yeah like i mean that is even more wanky than the traveling stories but <laughs> you know like you just like walk through a door and then you know, like three more doors might be on the other side of that door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, that's a good way of looking at it. But I have this like theory where like different people in your life, because sometimes you have maybe a friend at uni, but then you don't go on to keep con like you don't stay in contact after uni or whatever. So I have this theory yeah. that you like meet people who get you through little different chapters of your life, you know? So yeah. it's not necessarily like friends for life, but it's just that person just got you through that little chapter and you learn stuff from them and then you kind of move on like i find that yeah. happens to me a lot 100 percent. people will show up at certain points in your life to either challenge you or like redirect you or like see you like you say like see you through different bits a lot of the time in my 20s and obviously i'm, I'm 29 so i'm still in my 20s but i think in the beginning i was like i just want to know now where i'm going to be and what i'm going to be doing and I never in a million yeah. years would have thought I'd be where I am. But you've got, to, I think you have to learn to enjoy the process and enjoy the journey. Because how yeah, boring exactly. would life be if you just like, like you want to, like you're a comedian and you want to be what, let's say your aim is to be a top famous comedian. Because I'm sure that would be nice, right? But if you just woke up tomorrow and that was on a plate for you, then you haven't got a journey. You've got nothing to live or experience. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't, what's the point? you haven't got the i know if i'm not not doing things that i want to be doing like i can be doing something else that someone else wants me to do you know yeah. and like i don't want to go back to that so i know i know what i don't want so yeah you've I've, like um it's like a sum isn't it and you've crossed out or like you've got all these boxes and you've ticked off what you don't want to do and now you're yeah. left with the things that you do want to do yeah and and like it, it's not it's not going to be i don't know how to describe it it's not going to be forever and like pet well, what's the um it's like delayed gratification and i suppose that like and that's so at odds at what we are like now really as a society if you know what i mean mm. like with all social media and digital yeah like i can put up a whiny status you know, and I can get like instant gratification from loads of people being like, oh, you're amazing. And, and I can feel good <laughs> about myself, you know, yeah. for but, a second or um, so. For a second or so. And then I need something else then to give to, yeah. to, to like, 
Um, so I can get that instant gratification constantly. Whereas like this journey is going to be long. It's going to be dark. Like there's going to be really, really tough times, but there's also going to be really, really good times. Um, and it's knowing that the, like, as long as you keep putting yourself in the situation, you will get towards like the good times, if you know what I mean, but it's not going to be perfect. Like it really isn't perfect. Um, and I think that's a kind of a myth that they spell about people like chase your dreams, go at your dreams, you know, you can live the life you want. Like, <laughs> I love how you've got an American really... accent for that bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cause I've watched all those videos. Trust me. Um, <laughs> you, can do you have as well at two o'clock in the morning, that gold cast videos where they're like, <laughs> you want something real bad. You gotta yeah. go do it. But yeah, that, there's this like myth that chasing your dream is this glamorous thing and it it really isn't but it's something that keeps getting you out of bed and it's fun and at least all of the misery of what life is about it just makes it worth it a little bit you know what i mean i do i think that's beautifully put and i think it's a nice way to round up your interview 